you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Philippians chapter one. Um, today, we're, we're really taking a break from our new series that we started last week, Together We Believe. And, and really today, we're just gonna spend some time uh, reflecting um, on uh, just w- what happened on, on Friday night. Um, and really, in light of that, we're not, we're not gonna talk a lot about that, but what we are gonna do is uh, reflect on the reality of how we feel through that, but ultimately, we're gonna talk about Jesus. Um, and, and how that changes how we respond to it, regardless of how we feel. And so um, just to kind of set up this text, I was uh, sitting Friday at home doing some preparation for our Together We Believe series, uh, talking on faith. And um, that series is one I was really excited about, but I really did not feel on Friday like that was where we were to go. So I was just praying, God, why does this feel complex? Um, the, the topic doesn't, I could present it, but I, I don't feel like you're there. I feel like my, my thoughts could be there, my knowledge could be there, but I don't feel like you're there. And as a family in our devotions in the mornings, we've been going through Philippians. Um, and so that's really been on our heart as a, as a family, the little lollers. And so as we've been going through that, um, the whole premise of the end of chapter one has been just a, a dominant thought for me. And so I was like, man, God, should I, should I go uh, with this single message? This is so important for us to understand. Even that one sentence that Paul says that uh, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What, is that, what does that mean for us? Um, and then uh, a couple hours later, we saw in the news of what was happening at the Burlington Mall. And, and let me just tell you this of what I believe. Nothing makes us feel more temporary and fragile in our human state like someone killing other people. It just, it just rattles us to the core. We feel afraid and we feel hopeless. And really for us, it's, life no longer makes sense. And I think we try to answer all the questions, but we really can't. We really don't know how to. And so the things that we've then placed in as, as really our way of living don't matter as much anymore. Our systems, our schedule, we... We're now searching for answers and searching for hope as to why right now it feels so hopeless, why it feels so so deprived and so scary and so broken. And I think when something like what happened on Friday happens, we all we ask all kinds of questions. And I think especially as believers, there are some important questions for us to to ask. Like for example, how should we, as believers of the living God, respond to those tragedies and these violent acts of hate and division? How do we respond to these? Because as believers, there's, there's a great tension that we walk in because in this moment, we're feeling all of these emotions and we're wanting to mourn with those who mourn. And, and this is good. But I think what we also need to understand is that Jesus has a greater mission for us in this beyond our moment. He's a greater mission for us beyond our moment. And so as we mourn with those who are mourning, we need to lean into this conflict and into this tension with the truth of the gospel. And so when we feel really the weight and the, and the brokenness and the depravity of this world really weighing down on us, our, our natural tendency is to want Jesus to return, for all this to come to a resolve. And, and we know that from scripture, in fact, that this is a good promise that Jesus will return. He said that in John fourteen three, 
If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. But, but the reality is right now we're here on this earth. We're in the midst of the, 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 the weighty, broken, busted up state. But let me remind you of something, church, that God has not forgotten us and he is not absent in this. That he has actually given us his own son, Jesus, to save us and to free us. So it, it isn't this world that we cling to. It, it's not our own hopes. It, it's the hope of Christ where we're able to remain here in Christ. And so really, as we get to this text, this is where we see Paul. This is where Paul's at in this text. He's in, in prison and things are not peaceful and they are not perfect. And prisons are not like they are today. This is a really ugly place to be. It's, it's almost equal to where they'd keep their dead. Prisons were not a place that was great. And so Paul's response in this is to live a purposeful life according to the gospel. And so we read this text, and, and what I want you to remember is think of where Paul's at. He's not in his cushy little mansion writing, man, let me write you a, a beautiful little story about the gospel message. No, he's in, in the broken state of the world, imprisoned by those he's trying to reach. And so we're gonna read in Philippians. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two and my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Here's, here's what really I want to simplify for us this morning, because I don't have any fill in the blanks for you. I really want you to reflect on this text um, that we just read. That this text really, if we look at it simply, there's really two words in here that, that become really important for us to grab hold of and two questions then that Paul is pointing the church to in the midst of persecution. And so I wanna make it simple this morning um, for the sake of our reflection in this is really those two words that come up It is both life and living. And so the questions out of there is what is the hope of your life and what is the manner of your living? What is the hope of your life? See, Paul tells us in verse 21, he says, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, I think a lot of us don't think that way, that, that for us, death is a gain. 
but for Paul it was. And it was specifically a gain for Paul because he had Christ. And so ultimately for Paul, there wasn't death and end to life. There was just separation from the body because his hope was in Christ and his life was in Christ. And really for us, there's, there's many things that we can try to put our hope in, but ultimately all of them are going to fade away if our hope isn't in Christ. So we're constantly pulled to move towards a hope that the future will have in store for us a greater satisfaction than we're experiencing right now. But if our hope and our future isn't fully rooted in Christ, then really what we're moving towards is trying to make a better version of ourselves. And so ultimately our, our human attempt is not satisfaction in Christ. It's, it's an attempt to have satisfaction in self. And so this is actually the problem that you will never be able to make a better version of yourself. It, it's downright impossible. And if you feel a lack of satisfaction in your life right now, this attempt of trying to better yourself, if you feel that lack of uh, satisfaction in that, that's actually a gift from God, that you would feel dissatisfied in the things of the world. And the reality is that you will be just as disappointed as you are right now in that better version of you. And so what we need is not another method of achieving our own hope, our own version of ourselves to to feel better. No, what we need is a a new solution. And in fact, one that, that isn't on us and it isn't about us. So really the solution is putting our hope in Christ and choosing to live for him, which ultimately is this complete switch. Because when we're in Christ, then we assume by the grace of God, the position of Christ And so this is where the cross gets really important for the believer because Jesus goes to the cross. He takes our place so that we can take his place. And a great switch happens. And so we're blessed in Christ because when we have faith in Christ, we have salvation in Christ. That we have new life in Christ and we stand in the position of Christ and we receive the the blessings of Christ. So this is the good news of the gospel, that grace has been extended to us in Christ Jesus, that his righteousness has been credited to us. And in his cross, God's wrath towards us has been completely removed from us and onto the son. And so for those who would hear and submit and believe in him, this is the good news. This is the hope. But then also, if this, is, if this is the hope of our life, that we put our entire life in Christ, then, then really then he becomes the manner for our living. So it's not, it's not trying to convert over to Christianity to then seek out this better version of ourselves, but it's really answering, man, what is the manner of our living? It's living according to the gospel of Christ. So in verse 27 through 30, Paul mentions several traits of what the believer's living should be, should be marked by. He says, for them to stand firm in one spirit, that in one mind that they would be striving side by side, that they wouldn't be frightened in anything by their opponents. So really these traits in us, Paul is saying, are what will now point people to the good news of the gospel. That us living out the gospel would be a way that people would see 
Christ. And so as I asked the question earlier, how how should we as followers of Christ respond to these tragedies and these violent acts of, of hate and division? And Paul gives us our answer both to this question and to the question of what our our manner of living should be by first telling us to stand firm in one spirit. And here, Paul really knows that the way Christians live is important to their witness for the gospel. So he calls them to really stand firm together by remaining faithful to the gospel. Not not faithful to, to method, to their own way, but to the gospel. And so really this means that we, we, in this, to, to stand firm, we aren't swayed and tossed by other methods or thinking or, or living, but we're firmly planted in the gospel truth. That when we experience the difficulties and uncertainties of life, we remain firmly planted in Christ. See, this is, this is absolutely what we went over in our, our series through the book of Daniel. And when I shared with you the, the the one sentence that's become important in our home, that we're concerned of the things of this world, but we're not consumed by the things of this world because this isn't our home. And so that, that brings forth a whole different thinking in these tragedies. Man, how do, I, how do I lean into this? Because I've been called to stay in the midst of this. And so then the next thing that Paul says is that we need to be of one mind, striving side by side. And here's the reality about who God is. God is all about reconciliation, but never forget that when God is about vertical reconciliation between us and him, he's also concerned about horizontal reconciliation. He also desires for our reconciliation with one another. And so Paul's really calling the believers that in remembering this reconciliation, who Christ is, what he's done for us, let's strive side by side. That as believers, we need to band together just as the early believers did when they struggled against the hardships and persecutions that they were facing. And so really in in the book of Philippians, not just in the the text that we read, but in the whole book of Philippians, Christian unity is one of Paul's major concerns throughout the whole letter. And so for you and I to pursue this kind of unity together, we have to be real about what kind of unity we're talking about. I think this is important for us to understand, especially how how rocked and how shaken our, our community is For us to have authentic, real unity means that we're not just going to show up here for a 60-minute service. We're not just going to step into a 60-minute Bible study, but we're really going to lean into deep relationship with one another. So this is where we're, we're stepping into relationship to be known and to fully know. So this is where we need to be real. Because all of us feel these, these mixed feelings today. And so we need to be real about where we're at in the midst of us, in the midst of this, where we're, where we're at in our walk, where, we're, where, where is God leading us? What is God showing us? We need to be real about how he's molding us and, and also where he's convicting us. So in this type of unity, what we need to understand is that the Christian life is not man's made version of being a good person. It is God's wholeness and righteousness offered to a wicked and sinful people by Jesus and in Jesus. 
but we have to be willing to be fully known in this. There has to be this willingness because being united together in this, for us to have one mind striving side by side means we need to be willing to step into the community of believers, risking everything because of Christ. Remember what Paul says, to, to, to die is gain, to, to live is Christ, and I'm staying here in the flesh on your account. It's for this unity that I would stay here, that God would keep me here. I think a lot of us struggle with this idea of deep, authentic, real community because to be found out for who we really are is just downright scary. But I think, I think many of us kind of sit back and, and go through the motions without ever risking stepping into community. So we may dabble in the idea of community, but not to a point of having to risk real, authentic community. And maybe that's because of pain or, or because of hurt or, or disunity that we've experienced or, or, or even maybe it's our lack of interest. But let me tell you this, it is much harder to feel loved and have deep community if you're hiding. And so for those just kind of off on their own hiding, for, for the rest of us, can, just to the, the fellow believers in the room for a moment, can I just remind you, let your manner of living show the gospel in such a way that you care deeply. You care deeply for the struggling believer in hiding and the spiritually dying unbeliever in plain sight. Both for the hiding believer and the spiritually dying unbeliever in plain sight. And so Paul is saying, listen, let's be uh, of one mind. Let's walk in deep community that that would show the, the great truth of the gospel to those around us. And then finally, and, and probably most difficult for all of us, is to not be frightened in anything by our opponents. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that verbiage, in anything, is a pretty huge statement that's hard to swallow. But Paul reminds the believers to keep the right focus. That as he, as he says to them in, in the text, that for the, for the persecutor, there's ultimately destruction. But for the persecuted, there is salvation. And so even as Paul reminds his, his young uh, servant with him, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he reminds us of this truth of the confidence we have in Christ that for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so what we need is not to put our hope in anything of, of this world or, or resolve of what man can create, but we really need to cry out to Jesus. Because fear ultimately is one of the most crippling things that we try to control. But the reality is in the midst of whatever fear you feel, whether from this weekend or from anything else going on in your life, what you need is not more control. It's a deeper crying out to Jesus and a clinging to the word of God. Where really that, that whole sentence for us of this teaching really becomes, God, take the world, give me Jesus. 
Would you just take the world, all of what it has to offer, however good that looks, however awful that looks, and would you just give me Jesus? So really for us, the first step in, in, in having an anxiety-free mind and a fear-free life it is to give our life to Christ. This is the, the great exchange within the gospel, that, that we put all of how we are, who we are, at the foot of the cross to receive all of who Christ is. So, so no longer am I, am I full of fear, I'm full of Christ. And then once we've really taken that step, then it's about fixing our eyes on Jesus, not the fear. That we continue to cry out. It's not that the the believer gets saved and everything's fine. Because ultimately, if our sanctification was, was the immediate perfection in our life, then ultimately when we give our life to Christ, he'd just take us home. But, but he's left us here with a purpose. And, and so what we need is to continually cling to Christ, saying, take the world and give me Jesus. Father, would you give me your, your son, that as I live, it would be Christ in me, not fear. Would you take all of how I feel, all of how I think, all of what's going on, and give me Jesus? And so in this prayer, in this crying out, this is what allows us then not to be frightened in anything because we're fixed on Jesus. And really, as we leave here, there's gonna be a lot to do. There's gonna be a lot to do and there's never been a more important time for us to engage this culture with the truth of the gospel. There's never been a, a more important time than right now. And I think especially to, to my peers, if I can tell you that, it, it is so the time for you to just get serious, for you to stop making excuses because all that fear you, you feel, all that anxiety, all, all, the, all of the times that you're refreshing your, your social media page to find out what's happening next it's because you lack trust, not information. And so let me just tell you that, that our community, be, beyond our little, our, our little community here in, in this building, is shaken. And it needs a true hope. Not just a hope that one physical man is behind bars. They need a true lasting hope that goes beyond today. And, and so our opportunities in this and our responsibilities in this are great they, they are much needed. And Jesus has placed us in this world with a mission that is to reach people with the message that he came to give life. So when we say, Jesus, take the world, he gives us Jesus. And the life we all need the most is the life that Christ first laid down to give. The life we need the most is the, is the life that Christ now walks in, that we can walk in. It's just like Charles Spurgeon said, one of my favorite preachers from the old days, nothing puts life into men like a dying savior. And, and the reality is, this is the Jesus that wept. This is the Jesus who felt things deeply, 
who had a, a, a broken heart for his sheep. So all the things you feel, he's felt. And he is not so far off that you cannot cry out to him this morning and say, just take the world and give me you. Take the world and give me Jesus. So let me just ask you, what is the hope of your life? And what's the manner of your living? What's the hope of your life and what is the manner of your living? Because when we choose to believe in Jesus, when we choose to trust in him and put our hope in him, we get all we ever need. All we have ever needed, which is Jesus. So what, what I want to do this morning as we come to a close is for us to just take a couple moments and reflect. Because I think, again, it's really easy for us to just move so quickly. And, and what we're going to do is just, we're going to take the lights down. And uh, there is a song um, that is sung by a group called Give Me Jesus. And so whatever this time for you, for you to just ha- have a moment really to just cry out to God, I just encourage you to do that. And we're going to then take a, an extended time of, of prayer together um, in the last few moments of our, of our service. But I just want to play this video for you, um, and then we'll go into a time of prayer.
too.